Merry Christmas, one week away, right? How's everybody doing? You getting excited for Christmas? Yeah. Only Monique and Joel are excited for Christmas. They're the only ones with the holiday spirit. Is, it, is everyone getting excited for Christmas this year? Yeah? Okay, good. Well, as you know, we will not be meeting the next two Sundays um, on Christmas Day or New Year's Day. So message this morning. Um, we got pie Sunday, and we have so much pie, so I hope, uh, feel free, you know, if you're in the middle of sermon, you just get a, a hankering for some pie, just get up, get some pie, because it's going to take a while to get all that eaten. Uh, anyway, so we will um, today talk about the real meaning of Christmas. So what... Gifts... It's about Christmas trees and lights, cookies, hot Santa. No, it's, it's about something a little more important than that, isn't it? It's about our Lord and Savior coming in the flesh, our Lord and Savior being born into the world. It's actually something that should be of the high reverence and looked upon with the utmost respect because it is really the most important birth that's ever happened. I mean, life beginning with his birth in, 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 in the conception with Mary, but it is of the utmost importance. And what happened is Christmas became seen as just this kind of cheesy afterthought to the gift-giving, sweaters, cookies, hot cocoa, Santa Claus movies. It's second thought now. It's taken um, a back seat to... American consumerism. So we're going to be talking about that today, and we're going to be talking about the real meaning of Christmas, what, what, and what it's all about is generosity, but not just our generosity and giving gifts to our kids, but the generosity of God giving the ultimate gift to us. So I want us to pray real quick over this time, and then um, we're going to dive into a bunch of different scriptures, and even a little bit about Santa. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son. Lord, thank you for all that you have done for us. Lord, your unconditional love, your never-ending grace, that you have been nothing but generous with us. Every breath we take and every moment we live has been a free gift that you have given us. Lord, I pray that this time, this morning, would be a time of reverence, a time where we reflect on all that you've done for us. And Lord, the, a time that would increase our faith and increase our worship of you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, what is Christmas all about? I think one of the most famous, famous verses in all of Scripture could tell us the heart of Christmas, and that's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. I would encourage you guys, if you can, get to the sermon notes in our app. That'll be the best way to follow on because we are going to jump around a lot today and I'm not using the ESV for all of my portions of scripture. I was going to tell you that earlier, but go ahead. I would definitely use the sermon notes in the app. It's the best way to follow on. So, so God, God so loved the world that he what? Gave he gave his only son. And he did that so that whoever what, would believe in him would, would not perish, but would have everlasting, eternal life. 
You see, so... Live the life that we should have lived and were unable to. And that he. He took our transgressions, our sins, and he died for them on the cross to raise again, to offer us newness of life. This is what Christmas is all about because it's where it all begins here. It's the. things. Am I wrong? You can say the word Christmas and there's a lot of other imagery that pops up into our head, doesn't it? Probably one of the most major would be Santa. Now, if you love Santa, uh, I don't want to offend anybody today. Um, There's definitely certain parts of what we celebrate about Santa and and the imagery in the movies that are innocent. But there is parts of what Santa and the whole idea teaches that are actually contrary to the gospel and have snuck their way in and become really the center. I'm going to read the lyrics to a very famous Santa song. And I want you to try to hear the lyrics without the tune. Because this tune is kind of... Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. And I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. It's creepy. He knows if you've been good or bad, so be good for goodness sake. So you better watch out. Oh, you better watch out. Double threat. Uh, You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming. Santa Claus is coming. Santa Claus is coming to town. Is this anything like the gospel, or does this just sound like an angry parent? This is the message of Christmas now. 
when it's actually about grace and love is not just something that's replaced the message of Christmas, but is so inferior to the message of Christmas. You better watch out because Santa's watching you. What we've done is like, you better watch out because Santa. to your house and, and he's already judged you if you're good or not so he's going to give you your gift accordingly which is very like I'm not saying you can't have a Santa picture in your house and you know go put your kid on a Santa's lap and do the whole thing it's fine whatever I'm certainly never going to teach my lie to my kid and tell him that Santa exists my parents did it with me and I'm grateful that they didn't uh, because it's just so contrary to the real message of Christmas. Compare what we just read about Santa to this. Romans 5, 6. While we were still weak, at the right moment, Christ died for the ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person. Though maybe some might dare to die for a good person. But God showed his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now that we have been made righteous by his blood, we can be even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. If we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, while we were still enemies, now that we have been reconciled, how much more certain is it that we will be saved by his life? And not only that, We even take pride in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one through whom we now have restored relationship with God. Which message is better? Which message is better? Threatening threats about some all-knowing being who's judging you based upon your works or an all-loving, grace-filled God sending His only begotten Son to die in your behalf. And He died knowing that we were sinners. It says that we were still enemies, and yet He died on our behalf. He took our sin knowing that we were enemies, that we were contrary to Him, that we would choose sin over Him. And He did all of this. At the end, it says so that we can have reconciliation and a restored relationship with God. And love our works. You know, if you keep reading after John 3, 16, 17 says, God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world like Santa, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him isn't judged. For whoever doesn't believe in him is already judged because they don't believe in the name of God's only son. Here's the, here's the thing. And Jesus, you're already a sinner. So that's already determined. And then there's Jesus. The problem with...
or the really are arrogant and prideful and cocky in your own flesh when you shouldn't be. Sure, because of sin, and we none of us deserve His grace. None deserve reconciliation or restoration in relationship with Him. We were all deserving of. You're all deserving of eternal damnation. And God said, I love you. I'm sending my son. Just believe in him. I've made a way for you to have salvation. That is the difference between the message of Christmas and Jesus loves us. The Lord loves us. So he made a way. I heard a pastor put it this way. He said, we are far more wicked than we can ever imagine, yet far more loved than we would ever dream. Isn't that beautiful? We are far more wicked than we can ever imagine. You don't know how evil you are because you're blind to a lot of it. Because you refuse to see a lot of it. And even if you think you're better than so-and-so, you are still not perfect and you are falling short. We're more wicked than we would ever imagine. But the crazy part is that God loves us more than we even understand. More than we even could dream. He loves us. He sent his son for us, to die for us, to offer us new life and restoration. First John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children, and that is what we are. See, we went from enemy. Understand, we are not deserving of it. You know, throughout all of scripture, God was continually giving the Israelites things and he always clarified, I'm giving this to you not because of your righteousness, but because I'm a loving, generous God. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 9, 6, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. Another translation would say a stiff-necked people. Okay, it says, know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land. This good land he's speaking of is the promised land. So I don't want you to there's a lot of symbology in the Old Testament a whole lot about the New Testament. It paints pictures of what was to come verse like this, because the good land or the promised land is a picture of heaven. It is a picture of eternal life in perfection, in restoration with God. And he's saying, well, I'm giving
preach that first. And I think about his name. Lovable about us if God loves us. And that's not, that's not what the gospel teaches. The gospel teaches. For a second, allow the Christian uh, Christmas works. Let's fight against that in our own hearts and in our friendships and our families. Let it not be about works and comparing who's naughty and nice, but it being about our generous, loving Father who gave to us. You know, in Isaiah 9, it says, um, There are those who live deep in darkness will see the light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The darkness there is a self-inflicted darkness. It's a darkness that they've chosen to be in, if you read the context. But he's saying that there is this great light, that's Jesus, and it's shone upon us in the darkness. See, we're in the darkness, but Christ came and shone his light. He has showed us the way. Just And so what we do after that is when we receive it freely, we naturally begin to love God back. It says that he loved us and so we begin to love him. He loved us first. Now a lot of times, you know, there... Cannot earn salvation. Loves you. Responses to.
response is, okay, I'll start loving you too. God keeps love, pours out his love. He pours out his love. And so we become responders to his love, and we start responding in it. If God is love and he lives in us, then we're going to start loving too. And Jesus says that if you love me, so we don't open. And then through that, we just become generous people. If we have such a an generous God, and we claim to follow him, it's natural for us to, what? Become more generous people. And here's the thing. Based upon his perception of what. There are people who just your heart just like just kind of screams like I gotta help. Like I don't come to our church. Generally, 
selfless, generous. And so we learn to love not when it's convenient for us. We also learn to give not just when it's convenient for us. In Christmas time, where it's the the season of giving, by gift, grandkids, whoever, right? But our giving isn't just about a season or or just a holiday. We as Christians should be generally generous with our time, treasures, and talents, all of who we are. Give of our time to the the Lord and we give to others. You see, it's a natural process that happens within us as we receive his love. We learn to love and learn and he transforms us to be more and more generous. You know, it's easy to love when people are easy to love. It's hard to love when they're hard to love. And we need to learn to love no matter what. And it's easy to give out of our abundance. It's difficult to give when we don't have a lot to give, isn't it? Since it's the season of giving, we'll talk a little bit just about giving. But in Luke 21, Jesus gives us this um, really um, it's a powerful word about something that he saw. Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contrib- contributed out of their what? Abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She was giving up the two pennies that could have bought some bread for her meal. Whereas others were, all of their needs were taken care of first, then they gave. What does the Lord say about that? He says it's not really generous. It's nowhere near as generous as someone gives out of their poverty. Second Corinthians, Paul tells us something similar about what he had perceived. Chapter 8, he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. What he's saying is that there's this... And so, as they experienced this, they didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to be generous, on the opportunity to give. And so what they did is they gave out of their means. And he says, begging earnestly for the favor to take part on the relief of the saints. 
So they wanted to be a part of giving so much that they said, The challenge for us today is it's easy for us to love the lovable. It's easy for us to give out of our abundance, but it's difficult to love the unlovable, and it is very difficult to give out of our poverty. It is very difficult to give when it's uncomfortable. My old pastor... And I say this not to raise funds for our church, but because this is what the Bible teaches about giving. And if you're giving to our church, you're giving elsewhere, we would... I'd be truly generous. Where am I spending my money where I'm really just worshiping myself and I could sacrifice that and give it to others? But when we give to God, we give to others, what we show is a self-sacrifice and a love and a generosity that looks a lot like the generosity he showed us and gave us freely. And he really did. Don't ever doubt how much God loves you and how much he has been generous with you. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. I love that word. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Like, he didn't just give us a little bit of grace. But he lavished. He just gave. In any sense, but we give 10% no matter what to the church. And then on top of that, we give to other nonprofits. And our hope more and more. So our percentages that we're giving go up and up. 15, then to 20, then 25. More and more every year. That you have that maybe struggling to have a good Christmas with an abundance. So pray about it. You know, our, one of our community groups, somebody expressed a need where they weren't even going to be able to buy groceries. And our community group within an hour had given them $580, in part in gift cards and then also in cash to pay for things. But let's be generous. I want to hear more stories like that. I want to hear more where there's need. Bet the opportunity. You know what? I'm not going to the movies tonight. I'm giving you this money. and say, you know what? I'll cancel my Netflix. Here you go. 
Make a sacrifice. It's not really generous if it doesn't hurt. It's not really generous if you're not going to miss it. So let's learn to be truly generous people instead of a false Everything I need is taken care of. Everything I want is taken care of, and now I have extra, then I'll give. That's not the way that generosity works, and it's not the way that God treated us, fortunately. Amen? He gave us abundantly. He lavished upon us. He didn't forgive you of some of your sins, like the okay ones, like the ones that are like, first things you've ever done. And not that he didn't just forgive you. He took the sin and he bore it upon himself. He took the punishment for it. So I want you to think about the worst thing you've ever done and know that Jesus took that and he took it for you and he died for it to raise again, to offer you newness of life. Amen? That's what it's all about. And so we have um, this Sunday. Aaron, did you grab them? The, uh, where are they at? They're behind the bar. Okay, so what we have here is um, and when worship's done, we're going to have them set up here. We have ornaments that are a gift present. And I want you to take one or two of them. There's plenty. Uh, and I want you to put it on your tree this year. And I want you to think about the generosity that God has shown you. And let that be a symbol for years to come. Every time you see that present on your tree, remember, this isn't just about me giving presents or, or eating good cookies and pie. It's about the generosity that God gave me. All right, so we'll have those set up, and everybody take one on your way out, all right? Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all you've done. Lord, please uh, do not let our hearts take it lightly. The sacrifice that you made, the grace that you have given. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for all the people, um, Lord, that we're associated with and who come to our church who are out of town or busy or whatever, Lord. I just thank you for everyone, Lord. And I pray that we would be a church in our community groups and in our workplaces and um, among our friends where we're generous to the point where it's weird. We're generous where people go, hey, you got to stop. What do you, please stop. It's making me feel bad how generous you are. Lord, let us be those people. Let us be the people who don't judge people, but we love everyone who we meet. Everyone, the, lo- the unlovable, the other ones that get, the ones that get made fun of or, or annoy everybody, Lord, let us step up and love them. And if they are in need, give to them. Lord, to the point where we stand out because we're living like you and not like the world. Even the world gives out of their abundance, Lord. It's very rare you find people who give out of their poverty. Lord, allow us to be the people that we been called to be as your children as lights of the world that we would represent you well especially in the season of giving in the season to celebrate the greatest gift that was ever given and that was your son God we pray all these things in Jesus name Amen